Hello, everyone, and welcome to Oh, a Podcast, the podcast about playing games and making games. Brought to you by Oh, Rock Studios. I'm Paul Franzen, the head boy of Oh, Rock. Uh, I'm Michael Gray, the head author of Oh, Rock, and I have Ooh. absolutely nothing to bring to the table this month. I did Great. actually no video game work at all. So this is going to be good. This will be a nice short one, and everyone can just get back to their day, you know, whatever they're doing. Maybe actually go play a video game instead of listening to us just talk about it. Um, well, maybe they could play a video game while listening to the podcast about video games. I do that sometimes. I do that, though. Like, uh, if I'm playing, uh, like, a JRPG, and I'm just going through a section where I just have to fight a bunch of enemies and, you know, just sit there and press A a bunch of times until they're all dead, I, I, I tune into whatever podcast I'm listening to and just kind of zone out. Well, I just meant, like, it, you play a podcast about the game that you're playing. Oh, okay. Like, playing Earthbound while listening to an Earthbound podcast? Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. the, but then oh, they'd get the spoilers, and, and they'd, they'd ruin the end of the uh. game for you. So maybe that's <laughs> a terrible idea. Uh. Well, maybe if you're like, it's like a podcast that breaks it down, like, area by area, you could just listen to that. Oh, but even then, like, if you listen to the podcast for that area, you might find out, like, who the boss is, and maybe that was going to be a surprise, but now you found out about it. Oh, yeah. Man. Oh man. So so you No, I think you have to listen I think you have to listen to a podcast about a different game. I think that's the only way it works. Well, you'd you'd have to like finish the 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 one it area first and then listen to their episode mm. specifically about it to to sure. play it safe. Yeah. And, and this only really works for like non-text heavy games, right? Like you don't want to be playing a Phoenix Wright game while listening to a podcast about Phoenix Wright. It'd be impossible to to pay attention to the game. It would. That's It'd be complicated, yeah. Did we ever finish our series on Phoenix Wright for Game Cola? Remember, we were doing like say a, a segment on each episode where we were breaking down the individual cases from. Yeah, the main we series. we got through the first one uh, and oh. did not do it for any of the other games. Oh, we should have recorded a segment for uh, Game Cola, our our old website. They just celebrated their twentieth anniversary this month. We should have recorded some something like that for it. Breaking down Phoenix Wright Game 2, case number one. It was like, wasn't, like, I thought we were there for like the 10 year anniversary or something of Game Cola. Yeah, well, I think we, I I mean, I think I I was still the editor in chief at that point for the 10 year anniversary, I think. Or was it the 100th podcast or some sort of anniversary where it was just you, me, and then Christian Porter, and then... I'm like, okay, we, we need to finish our old Phoenix Wright series that we abandoned six years ago. Does anybody remember anything about Case 5 of so Game funny. 1? And yeah, it was like a two-minute conversation, as I recall. But we did it. That was the, that was for the, I believe, the uh, 10-year anniversary, The which was... All, wait. Now I'm trying to remember, was that the 10-year anniversary, or was it episode 100? Maybe that was both, but it was definitely, like, that was the live, the 10-hour podcast, wasn't it? Yeah. That was, and we had a segment with Christian, I think. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Good old Game Cola. So you haven't you haven't done any, any video game stuff at all this month? Is that what you're telling me? I have not written any video game stuff at all this month. I meant to, um, I'm, but I didn't. I meant to look at the mom's game, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. 
and also that Pride and Prejudice game, which I've mentioned a couple of uh, right. months in a row, have done nothing with that. I think I saw on YouTube you've been pretty busy this month, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's basically what's been taking my time up, is I've just been uh, doing a marathon of all the Nancy Drew games for, like, the fourth time, I, I think. <laughs> are there are there any games, like, you still get stuck on at this point? Like, any puzzles you always have trouble with, anything like that? Oh, yeah, there's just a ton of puzzles where I just look up the solution. That's fine. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, this is like the fifth time I've marathoned these games. So, Oh, boy. The, one of the problems is that I noticed recently is uh, some of the puzzles I get stuck on, I wasn't, like, anticipating to get stuck on. So, like, I've got these notes that I, like, did, oh, however many years ago or so. Which, which I use, which have the solutions to some of the puzzles. But some of the puzzles, I, I didn't write down the solutions. Because it's like, apparently I must have been able to solve that puzzle on my first try every single time back then. <laughs> but replaying the game now, it's like, I have no idea how to solve the puzzle. And that just sort of brings the... It feels like it brings the marathon to a dead halt. Because I have to stop and, and look up the solution or something like that. How, how as, of, as of this recording, how far are you in the up in the marathon i've just got one game left so it's oh so you're almost done almost done yeah it'll definitely be done by the time i post this i think yeah oh wait is the last one midnight in salem yeah 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 you probably haven't played that one a million times yet yeah no 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 can't wait to play it and see what comments people have to say. All sorts of nice <laughs> positive things because they love the game <laughs> i'm sure <laughs> Poor Midnight in Salem. We love these graphics. Definitely <laughs> worth a three-year wait. <laughs> Can that be our, the next Francie Drew game? Is like Sleepy Time in Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> oh, people will love it. Be Salem, Oregon. Something along those lines. Oh, yeah. Mid Midnight in Salem, Oregon. <laughs> Actually, we have been getting to Lost Oregon City Gold. Yeah, <laughs> I was just gonna say we've been getting some pretty positive reviews of Lost Oregon City Gold. Uh, so, so maybe that makes sense. Though there was one uh, uh, very, very kind review on Steam with a person. It was actually uh, our friend Timothy Mark, uh, who podcast listeners have probably heard that name before. Uh, but he he was saying that it was uh, one of his favorite games, and and he really liked the way we worked the the more adventure game style gameplay into into the visual novel instead of it just being a straight up visual novel uh, apparently that that resonated with him at least and with some other people too so that's pretty cool you you shared one review on discord and then it took me like 10 minutes to find it but it, it was from a local person that said i i did a good job so that's cool <laughs> that's right someone who's like actually from uh, oregon city who is actually seeing like the Oregon City elevator and knows I was not making up how the elevator works. Okay. <laughs> That's right. And uh, was it Yeah, I think it was that person who said yeah that the the elevator reminded them of a supervillain's lair. <laughs> and it made me think if we go ahead with the superhero game, someone's lair should be at the at the elevator. Definitely. I need to <laughs> do more work or thought thoughts on the the what did i say the 
I'm sorry. I, w- I, I did not get oh. much sleep last night. I'm not going to oh, be a whole no. lot of fun on We this got Sleepy podcast. Michael. Yeah. Sleepy, sleepy time Michael's in, in Salem, here. Oregon. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I haven't done anything on the uh, I haven't done anything on the front for uh the the superhero game either. Like it's on my list to go through the script again for the mom's game and sure. see if there's more stuff to do there. I was thinking of trying to do a personality change for I think her name is Brittany, the engineer sciencey person. <laughs> but that that was about it. I mean that was the only thought I had yeah. in my mind. Uh, but yeah, so the yeah, the Lost Oregon City Gold came out this past month. Um uh, and as I said, reviews have been pretty positive so far. Um I did have to release uh, a couple of small patches in the last couple weeks. One uh because <laughs> we messed up the names of the oxen in the bonus section. I don't know if you caught if you saw that. Somebody actually uh <laughs> caught the the names of the oxen. Oh no. Yeah. Well, well the Wasn't problem is cuz Zeus um, and Hercules or something? It says yeah, so uh on the screen where it's it, in the bonus pathway it's like, did you know the oxen actually have names? Uh and you can see their names in the background. Mm-hmm. So the background says Zeus and Hercules and the text says they have actual names, Zack and Hercules. Oh man, I misspelled <laughs> Zeus. Okay. I, I knew it was a name starting with Z, I guess. Yeah. But someone caught that really quickly too. I think I got a patch out like the day after release to fix that. It's not a major problem. Though. No, no. And then the other one was um, one of the arrows in the forest went to the wrong spot, and and someone someone caught that. I don't know how, but they did, and I and I fixed it. <laughs> Hooray! That's pretty good for us, though. No other typos, so I'm very I'm very impressed with with us for that. So good job, us. Oh, one thing I wanted to ask you was. Um, you had asked for uh, some Steam codes. You were setting up uh, some sort of geocache thing uh, for the Lost Oregon City Gold. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Can you can you tell me a little bit about what that is? Okay. So geocaching apparently. I don't know how. I don't know when geocaching got started. There's actually there's some. I, I guess I can look it up as I'm doing this, but geocaching mm-hmm. is just sort of a game that was invented. It sort of became a popular with the rise of actual like personal GPS devices mm-hmm. because um, what it does is somebody like puts in the GPS coordinates uh, of an item and you try to find it. Basically, it's just an all- outdoor activity. It's sort of like a scavenger hunt or so. Mm-hmm. So usually I think with geocaching, it's like, just write your name on a piece of paper. Sometimes they have candy or something like that. But it's basically, it's like, okay. Like, treasure hunting is another way to think of it, too. But all you have are the coordinates. Sometimes you have, like, a clue if a person's nice. So, like, they'll give the coordinates and then a clue to it, like, look up inside a tree. That's Mm -hmm. a pretty straightforward clue, actually. But, um... (laughs) And generally, what what you do is you go to the place and you find some sort of treasure. Like I said, it could be candy, or it could be just... I think, in most cases, it's like a piece of paper. You signed your name to it, and that's cool. If you sign the log, you need to put it right back where it's supposed to go. I don't know. There's variations of that. I think that the local parks and rec departments done that 
So like, you know, in March, it's like, okay, we hit a little leprechaun toy in, inside each of the parks, and you, you want to find all of them, and whoever finds all of them first gets like a, a box of cereal. Oh. But oh, that's ge- super cute. Yeah. Yeah, geocaching specifically um, involves a GPS device. It has like coordinates. So you, mm-hmm. you look for the treasure, you look for caches. And it was, oh, here it is. It was invented in Beaver Creek, Oregon in 2000. That's what I was what? thinking. What? So it was, that, it's like local. Like, how close is that to where you are? That's pretty so close, right? That's um fairly close to Oregon City. It's Oh, that's wild. Six miles southeast of Oregon City. <laughs> wow, we need to find, like, where that original geocache oh, was. cool. The first documented placement of a GPS-located cache took place May 3rd in, in the year 2000 by Dave Ulmer of Beaver Creek. Next, we're going to make an adventure game about the invention of geocaching. I could probably track this guy down and find this person. Yes. Can we put a geocache, like, in his pocket? That seems like that wouldn't be very cruel <laughs> to poor to Dave. <laughs> A little, a little, uh, a little GPS tracking unit in his front shirt pocket and a candy bar. <laughs> and you have to find Dave to get it. All right. It has, uh, I mean, it's specifically here, I guess it's famous because it's the first one. So he posted uh, the, the coordinates, uh, 45, 17, 460 north, and then 122, 24, 800 west. So he posted those to a Usenet news group, and within three days, the cache was found twice. Wow, so people found that really quickly. Yeah. So the cache was a, it was just a black plastic bucket. He partially buried it. It contained a video, books, money, a can of beans, a slingshot, and some computer software. A can of beans. In time, a lawnmower destroyed all of the contents <laughs> no! and the cache. No, Beans Massacre! <laughs> no, the can of beans was the only salvageable <laughs> item. <laughs> and right now they've got a plaque at the original site. Okay. Oh. oh wow. Sounds, sounds like sounds like a next next trip for me to take there. Yeah. To, to go geocaching and uh find find their place. Yeah, geez, six miles away, there's no excuse. Yeah. So, in uh, the Lost Oregon City Gold, very early on in the game, there's the characters find GPS coordinates, and they go to that. So, it's basically like geocaching. Mm-hmm. And um, what I did was I put, like, a real... I just put a geocache in that real-life location. Because that's, that's basically the first puzzle area is... Um, yeah, we, they find this old letter written in a, a, a bottle, right? At at those mm-hmm. coordinates, and there's 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 like a couple of puzzles to to get to it, but they eventually reach that area. The characters do. So I went to that spot where the pictures were all taken, and and put the geocache there, sort of at the top of the hill. And I think I don't know if I saved the pictures or not. Did I send you the picture of the the geocache? I don't I don't remember seeing that now. All right, so um, we could uh, we could put it in the Discord in the podcast channel. That that should be up. Okay, it was sent. Mm-hmm. Hooray! So I sent you the the geocache. It's basically um, 
there was a hole in the ground, sort of, with heavy rocks. I had to move rocks around to make um, a big enough spot in the hole for me to put that bottle. And it's got a bright green cap, which should make it somewhat noticeable. Other than that, it's just the glass bottle. Oh, there it is. Yeah, cool. Yeah, and that's at the very top of the area that uh, the the climbing wall that the kids climb in one of the first puzzles of the game. All right, I'm I'm posting it in the like I said in the podcast channel in the Orock Discord if anyone wants to see it there. Or if they really want to see it, they can try to find it in real life. Yes. I suppose. Yes. Even better. Um, speaking of games that came out recently uh we talked about this a lot last month but our visual novel the pizza delivery will you save the world came out on consoles in the last month or so um there was just a couple things i wanted to mention about that one is that uh, i can't give any specific figures but it's definitely already uh outsold the steam version which i think is pretty exciting (laughs) uh which tells me that we need to get all of our games on consoles asap are just the ones that are really good at getting achievements. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, they... Oh, man, I, I, I was thinking about that, actually. Like, which of our games uh, besides that are, like, the easiest to get achievements? Like, I feel like the Cat President games, like, there are some weird kind of specific things you have to do. Plus, the, the games are much longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, Internet Court, um, I guess if you have a skip function... I think we we have a skip video function in that, so that'll help you jump around really fast. Oh, um, you like zoom through that entire game, actually. Yeah. <laughs> or Awkward Steve, which only currently has three achievements. It would probably be pretty quick to get all three of them. <laughs> but uh, maybe if it was on consoles, I'd have to add more. I don't know. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, I. Yeah, too many Santas, maybe? I'm not sure. Yeah. Because I feel like those are games where at least one achievement is you got all the right answers, and then there's achievement for you got all the wrong answers. And so in that case, you'd have to, like, at least replay the game more than once to get all the achievements. Whereas I don't think that's the case with the Pizza Delivery Boy game. That that probably, like, maximizes the achievements, the ability to get all the achievements. You know, you can do it on your first time around. Yeah, we we talked a little bit last month about um, why the publisher might have chosen this game specifically out of our library to publish on consoles. Do you think it's because it had the easiest achievements? Could could that be it? I don't know if the publisher was... Is the publisher specifically like an achievement hound? <laughs> no, I don't think so, but they, they certainly figured out how to, to tap into that audience, or at least the net result of this release was that we tapped into the audience. That was actually one of the other things I was going to mention about it, uh, was that there's like a billion different walkthroughs on YouTube now for how to get all of the achievements in Pizza Delivery Boy. (laughs) Every single one of them is three minutes long, and there's so many. Is there, like, does that game have a skip feature? I I thought, like, the skip feature was only if it's dialogue you've seen before, but maybe... I don't know. There's an option uh, in the preferences menu. You can switch it from only stuff you've seen already to everything. Um, I think that's a that's like a standard Rempi option that I I think I usually include that. So I think probably the first step is to go to into the preferences menu and switch that on, and then just skip through everything. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Uh, my hope I... is that some of the people playing it just for the achievements are like, oh wait, this game's actually pretty funny and cool. <laughs> 
I should check out more of their stuff. <laughs> they should actually play it at some point, yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say, uh, Grandma said she she liked the the Oregon City Gold game, but oh. she hasn't played it. She doesn't know how to get it to play on her phone, and oh yeah, I don't think you can play Steam games on the phone, right? No, you definitely can't. So I feel like um, next time we see Grandma, I should just bring the kids <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> the computer and uh we're, we're live streaming the game or something like that it really is surprising and interesting to me how the console version is even even achievement stuff aside does appear to be reaching a much wider audience than we are able to get uh with our regular steam releases like i have seen comments from people who are like talking about how they're excited to see what other games we release on console specifically or like they yeah let them know when we put another game on console so there so there's there's just like a whole console audience there that that does not care about uh PC at all that I guess I didn't really realize was a thing I I was vaguely aware that was a thing but it, mm-hmm. it's good to hear confirmation because I know her interactive who makes the Nancy Drew games they're kind of hoping to tap into that market cuz all their games were for PC I know they were really hoping to try to tap into the the other markets. So uh, they they tried porting their games a lot. So I mean they made a Game Boy Advance port, um one for the DVD, uh one for the Wii <laughs> and then one for tablets. Yeah. I remember and, that Wii one. We got an actual physical review copy of it from Game Cola. Yeah. That was wild. That was absolutely wild. Uh, but the game did not sell well enough to be like worth making a second one mm-hmm. or, or porting a second one to the Wii. I feel like in in another dream imaginary world, they her interactive had gotten things ready so that I think that was part of the idea when they did game number 26 and they changed the interface. I think the idea was that they would be able to release it simultaneously for like tablet and uh, PC, but they just weren't yeah. able to make that magic happen. I guess part of what it surprises me, too, is that I've, I've mentioned this before. We, Rock Studios, has released exactly one of our games on mobile in the past. And I don't, I mean, I don't think that's sold, like, more than 10 copies. So I, th- I guess I, I wasn't sure, like, is console going to be different from that? Uh, and obviously it was very, very different from that. So I, it really makes me want to, like... I don't know. I don't know if the numbers are like good for the publisher. They're quite good for us. So it makes me want to like moving forward. If the publisher is not interested in releasing more of our games, it makes me want to try to figure it out on my own, I guess. Uh, Because it seems like it would it would be worthwhile. But I have I have less than no idea about like what even the first step of that would be. Like, do I do I need those those fancy dev kits for consoles? Do I have to pay a license? Probably and probably. Uh, do I need to know more about coding than I do? Also, probably. <laughs> uh, but you know, depending on how how the numbers work out, maybe it would be worth my while to you know take some time to figure that stuff out. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I've been trying to figure out like which of our games would would look best and and play the best on a console. I kind of I could see like Internet Court looking pretty cool on a console. I think that would mm-hmm. be that would be a good good one, good choice. Uh, I, I mean, I think Gold's in HD, so that's that's true. Yeah, but that I don't one's know. ready to go. 
pizza delivery boy you saved the world probably looks fine. Like, <laughs> it's not like it looks pixelated and terrible, right? That's true. I guess I, I haven't really played the console versions that much. <laughs> so I don't know. I haven't, like, tried playing it on my TV to see if it looks good on there or not. I'm kind of scared, too. <laughs> I I just played for, like, two seconds. I think that was about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think any of our, like, dating sims would work great on the Switch. Like, the Switch is practically made for visual novels. Uh, but anyway, this is all very, very distant future. My... <laughs> My my dream is that the publisher wants to is happy with the numbers and we get to do more of this, but uh, I guess we'll see when we see. No, it makes sense, and I, I mean that's a realistic way of putting it. It's like, well, it's probably going to be the publisher's call, not our call, unless yeah, like yeah. we throw a bunch of money at the publisher. I don't, <laughs> no, I don't think that's how it works. That's not how that like publishing no, relationship no. works at all. <laughs> no. So yeah, I think it'll really boil down to if the numbers are good for them. They might be good for us, but I don't know if it's good for them. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, something certainly to keep in mind. Um, on a different note, very, very different. Uh, I don't know if you've seen on Twitter, but I've been playing around with this uh, this artificial intelligence art generator program have you seen I've, any of the weird stuff I, i've made with that i've seen people like mention that i don't know what it means if that makes sense so oh. like an ai draws a picture i don't yeah you'll so have to explain the process <laughs> oh no i was hoping you wouldn't ask me to explain the process oh no okay never uh, mind then well no i think it's i think it's kind of similar to you you've seen those those text things where it's like i made a robot read all of harry potter and had it generate a brand new harry potter story like those kind of yeah, things yeah 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 yeah. so i think it's similar to that except it's i made a robot look at a bunch of paintings so that that's that's sort of how i understand it so i've i've been playing around with this one uh it's called disco diffusion um, and the way it works, at least on my end, is that I, and I give it some settings, like I say what resolution I want the image to be, and then I give it a, a description of what sort of scene I would like it to generate. Um, so like, I played around with, uh, like the Cinderella's castle at Walt Disney World, I can put that in, and it'll try to interpret that in its robot brain, and, and then generate uh, an image like that, and... You can also do things like, say, I, a, a photograph of Cinderella's castle, a beautiful painting. Like you can, you can try to give it a style to try to mimic, and and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Mm. Um, but the reason I bring it up here is because, um, so far, at least from what I've been able to figure out, like the images that you generate with this software, you are free to use for for what purposes you want to uh don't people listening to this please don't take that as an absolute guarantee that you're allowed to do that because i'm not totally sure that's so, just what i so you're building to like a dating sim where all the characters are like completely <laughs> generated by an ai <laughs> not the characters but i was thinking maybe backgrounds i think there i think there's a possibility that we could use this to generate the backgrounds and then maybe 
you know, then we could then then maybe at that point we hire someone to draw the characters. If if we have the backgrounds taken care of, maybe we have the budget to do characters, or maybe I could try to figure out how to generate characters as well. But uh, in the Discord, I'm going to drop an image that I generated recently. Of uh, I think the prompt was a beautiful painting of uh, the Jersey Shore at night um, that I thought uh, came out pretty cool. Um, so it's it's obviously it's not uh, perfect the the software like uh, mm-hmm. for example in the in the painting I just posted uh, it it does have five different moons oh uh, which which is I think a lot more moons than than most places have definitely um, it's the sort of thing where where like the closer you look at it the more uncanny it seems like you'll zoom in on a person and you'll be like wait a minute that's that's not where ears go um, but the less you focus on it, the, the, the better it looks. And I, and I also feel like the more specific you get with your prompt, the, the more accurate the artwork will turn out. So I don't know. I just, I, I, I think it might be something worth considering for a future game is that we might be able to, to use this in, in some fashion. Plus, especially with like some some editing in Photoshop too. Like, I could probably get rid of some of these extraneous moons, for example, pretty easily. Yeah. No, actually, that that probably not too bad. Yeah. Oh, that's that's something that's sort of been on my mind this past past month. Is that maybe that would get us around that subset of people who dismiss our games because they don't like the photographs. Maybe this would be a way to do that uh, while still maintaining our bare bones budget. <laughs> Yeah, there's some really interesting AI art. Yeah, okay. The way I've seen it is somebody posts like this really weird looking picture and say, hey, guess what movie this is? And it, it's like <laughs> impossible. <laughs> no, so one of my one of my friends on Twitter has really gotten like incredible results of it. She's getting these like really beautiful like forests and, and waterfall scenes that that look like they look legit, like they look like real paintings or real photographs. It's it's possible. Then then sometimes you get. Uh, I'm gonna post this one also in the Discord. Uh, so people listening at home, you'll have to check it out on your own. But this is one that I I uh, said the world's largest ball of twine. <laughs> there was something in my head while I've been working on my road trip game. Uh, so you can see that the <laughs> it sort of looks like someone built a house out of twine, and then there's like a little baby ball of twine outside of it yes it's it's really it's really bizarre looking but i also kind of want to live there so like i could see this like maybe not as representative of the world's largest ball of twine but like something like this could be the background in a pizza game pizza boy game where like you're going to a house to deliver pizza and this is one of the houses uh i I don't know why the door in the center appears to be a, a gigantic receipt as well that's a yeah. little odd. <laughs> like a big like CVS receipt almost, but yeah. So I mean all this stuff requires a little fine tuning and tweaking, but I don't know. Some it might be something to play with. <laughs> it's at least very entertaining to me. It also takes a while to generate these pictures too, like half hour to an hour. Like it's not just like it doesn't just instantly split spit them out. Um and there's something about how you're like using a computer or a server on a network or something. Uh, and if you're using the free version, which of course I am, um, 
like you you can't always use as many like you can't always use the resources or you can't always get time to use it uh because the server is is taken up by actual paying users like they get priority i think it's something like that anyway so it's not yeah. something like i can't just like sit there and crank out like you know 20 different hotel rooms for a cat president game speaking of which i'm going to also put the hotel room i generated in the discord uh because <laughs> i think for this one i said like a shabby cheap hotel room or something like that and <laughs> it looks to me <laughs> like a hospital room but there's also TVs everywhere <laughs> there's like there's like 12 TVs on the wall and a little bed <laughs> sorry i know this is not great for people who are just listening to this and not looking on the discord but there's <laughs> there's so many TVs so that's that's something else i've been doing this month is <laughs> putting random phrases into this art generator and seeing what happens. Let's see. Any other video game news? Yeah. Video game news. Um, I briefly mentioned the uh, the road trip visual novel that I've sort of been working on off and on for a little while now. Um, I, I did make some decent progress on that this past month. Um, uh, I wrote a lot for the second pathway. Um I don't know, I, this is sort of a recurring theme with O-Rock Studios and this podcast, but writing just uh, takes me forever, which is why Michael is here as the head writer <laughs> slash head author. Um, but I, I, I'm kind of happy with how my process works, because I think I've been getting good results. Um, just to, to briefly talk about my very slow writing process, um, I, I've been starting out with like this big, big picture outline of the entire game like the intro the three pathways and the ending sequence like just sort of a huge bullet list of here's in general the different scenes that the player is going to go through here are the like the themes of this pathway here are the characters that are going to show up in this pathway pathway here are the like individual things i want to happen i need to happen here are some ideas for puzzles i've sort of started with that um, and then I have a second outline, <laughs> uh, that I do sort of chapter by chapter. So like when I'm about to start writing the next chapter in the game, I look over the big picture and sort of, uh, break it down more granularly, um, into what this, what happens in this specific scene, like where the scene starts, what the characters are doing, um, where, how to get from there to the next plot point, what locations we should visit what what sort of puzzles i want to have uh you know down to individual lines of dialogue if they occur to me while i'm putting the outline together i'll put that in there uh and then finally i actually sit down and write the stupid thing sounds good so it's like a general outline and then a more specific outline yeah and it 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 works for me um in some ways it does help me write a little faster because i at least like when I when I sit down and write, I, it's not just like I have a blank page and I have to fill it with stuff. Like I know what I'm supposed to be doing and how to get there. At that point, it's just finding the words that sound good, <laughs> you know, <laughs> plopping the characters in there, having them interact and, and sort of see what happens. Yeah, I have to imagine that's similar to what they did for at least I hope that's what they did with a lot of those Phoenix Wright games. Hmm is, you know, they have the overall thing, but then I feel like they did each case separately. 
I'm quite happy with how the the text and the story is coming along. It's just that that sort of protracted process plus my general kind of agonizing writing pace <laughs> where I, I, I kind of sit there and write something and then think of like eight different ways I could have said it, which is the best way to say it. And all right, now let's go back and edit it again. It just, yeah, but, but I like the results. I hope the game turns out okay in the end. Um, and I, I talked a little last month too. Um, I've started doing programming. I, I mentioned that I had come up with uh, sort of an inventory system that is working in RenPy like a traditional adventure game inventory system. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really happy with that. Um, I was also wondering, Michael, can I borrow your navigational system from Lost Oregon City Gold? Because that would also be good in this game. Uh, yeah. I mean, that just navigational like, system works just fine. It. Yeah. I feel like the navigation system, there are definitely places where I didn't know how the navigation system would work. And that's mm. why that's one of the first things um, that was done on the games was... Basically, here's the the first location you go to. Here are two different navigation systems. Which one do you like better? And that was actually probably the most useful um, feedback that the testers were able to give. Was it's like helping us figure out which navigation system to work? Because initially, I thought it'd be more like um, Nancy Drew or the Carol Reed series, where like, if you move your mouse to a certain part of the screen, the cursor changes shape. So, like, it changes into a forward arrow when, you know, your mouse is in the part of the screen where you can click to go forward. Or, it, like most adventure games, it changes into a hand if your cursor's over something you can pick up. Or your cursor right. changes into a magnifying glass if it's something you can zoom in on. So that's what I thought it was going to look like, but um, by and large, people preferred this. The actual uh, system, which made it into the actual game, which is we just have the arrows on screen pretty much all the time, up, down, left, right. That's yeah. it, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, I, I, I had, I had totally forgotten that we had tested out a different system. Well, that That's was right. why. Uh, hmm. I think that was part of the reason why I volunteered to like handle the testing for the game was I, I had like those four people. I think I mentioned that at some mm-hmm. point. It's like I had four people who have already done testing for the game, or I sh- at least did that section of the game. So I just went back and contacted them as opposed to putting out a call on like Twitter and Facebook saying, hey, is there anybody who wants to volunteer? Sure. I just went back to those people and said, pretty please, would you... <laughs> I you, you got a little taste of the game a year ago. <laughs> would you like to actually play the full game now? And, and by and large, they said, yeah, it was... They they were totally fine with that. Yeah. Cool, yeah, because I was I was thinking that would be super useful. I, I don't think my game is going to have like as in depth exploration scenes like we see in the woods where you can explore like every well not every bit of the woods because we cut out part of it, but it's not going to have like like huge exploration scenes like the the puzzle I'm programming right now, which just has like you can click left and move you know, look to the left a little bit and click down and look down, you know, kind of stuff like that, just to sort of give us more space to work with and make it feel a little more adventure gamey. Um, yeah. And, I, and I, it just occurred to me that your system would work perfectly for that. <laughs> I feel like in the Lost Oregon City Gold, there were initially going to be a lot of places where you can zoom in on something. Like in mm. the first area, I believe you can zoom in on a sign. But... um. 
it just ended up being that in the game, mostly can zoom in on like plaques and signs and things like yeah. that. But I, I thought like originally I thought there are going to be a lot of different places where you can zoom in and stuff like that. But I wasn't sure how to have zoom in areas without the cursor actually changing into it, it changing into a magnifying mm-hmm. glass. Mm-hmm. Oh, it does though, doesn't it? Isn't it a magnifying glass when you hover over those things? Yeah, it is, but yeah. I, I was just wondering, it's like, well, with the up, down, left, right arrows, there doesn't seem to be any way to match that with, oh, by the way, you can zoom in on this particular plaque. Sure. So there there are definitely places where you, you places you can't reach with the up, down, left, right arrows. You have to use the, the magnifying glass. Yeah. Because I just couldn't figure out how to, <laughs> how to do that. But... Yeah. Uh, there was also a couple of places up, down, left, right arrows. We have like extra things. Like there's a, the use glasses area where there's an additional button. Or there's like a go back button, right? Right. There is a go Unlike back button. Like the final yeah. puzzle when you're, when you've got a map. So, you know, just click the button to go back and forth between the map, which has the, the solution to the puzzle written down, and then the actual puzzle. Yeah. I've, I, so I have actually been playing around with having the cursor change at various points. So in like, the puzzle sequence I have programmed right now, there's like, I think three hot spots in the in the on the screen. So uh, two of them, uh, when you hover your cursor over them, it turns into an eyeball to indicate that you can click to examine and and you know learn some stuff or just tell a dumb joke about it. And then there's one that's a, a hand, so it indicates that you can interact with this object in some way. So I've been I've been kind of toying around with that. Um, my my original design was I was thinking about making it an even more like, you know, not Curse of Monkey Island, but some of the some of those adventure games where you like right click to cycle through different cursor types. And I was originally going to have like, all right, you right click. Now you can click on the eyeball on anything in the screen. All right. Right click again. Now you can do the hand and then there'd be separate, you know, look and interact for every single hotspot. Um, but I, I need to I need to find ways to make the development process shorter somewhere. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't be writing so many useless interactions that don't actually do anything. So I, I cut it down to just, you know, sort of the important interactions. Or at least yeah. like the thing that would be most logical. Like, you can look at stuff on the screen that isn't necessarily important to the game, but it's something that the player would still want to examine anyway. Isn't that um, the case with the beard in the mirror, too? That you can like, right yeah, like yeah, to swap through the eyeball or the hand. Or the talk button. Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm probably going to have a talk one too when there's someone on the screen you can talk to. Yeah, but at at the same time, like you don't want to have the talk thing available all the time. Like if you're on a screen with nobody there, it's like mm-hmm. it would just like you said require a bunch of needless programming to have. You know, he tries talking to the rock. He tries talking to the tree. He tries yeah. talking to the <laughs> the plants. He tries talking to the computer screen. Yeah, and and unlike uh, Adventure Game Studio, which we used to make the beard in the mirror, Renpai obviously doesn't have all of these interactions built into the system. So I really am like coding every single thing individually. So that's that's one of the the corners I've allowed myself to cut is not having every single interaction possible on every single hotspot. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> um, do you want to talk about listener questions for a little bit? Did we get any? We did. We had a we had a really good one on Discord actually. 
See, oh, you got to be checking okay. the Discord, man. You got to check the Discord. I, I I did check the Discord to see that one review, but that's somehow different. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, so Discord, uh, the OROC Discord has uh, four different channels. So oh, the review what? was under the OROC Games channel. Um, but yeah, we, we did have a question Yeah, on the OA Podcast channel. Uh, and this comes, once again, from our good friend Timothy Mark. Uh, Timothy asks... If you were to open a park like Disney World, but it was all O-A-Rock IPs, what rides, restaurants, and attractions would be there? Man, that's complicated. Okay. <laughs> Are you <laughs> awake enough to answer this question? <laughs> uh, basically, what I think I'd do... We've got enough. I feel like we could at least have a reference to everything. Like, yeah. I'm sure the park would do something different for Christmas which is the too many Santas themed. Oh. Yeah, so that's that's actually exactly what I did because uh, I had the chance to think about this question already. I was just kind of looking at our list of games in Steam and trying to brainstorm some ideas. So uh, I, I, I can I can give a few of what I thought of while you're thinking, if you'd like. Sure. Uh, yeah, so um, <laughs> one of my ideas was, um, you know those, like, what they call, like, 4D rides? Um like like Star Tours where you're sitting in like a theater but like the chair moves up and down and along yeah, with yeah, like yeah, yeah. This, yeah. So I was trying to think of something along the lines of that with like a, a Pizza Boy time traveling theme. Like almost like the old Back to the Future ride. <laughs> where you're like I feel like that that's sort of a and there there's like an easy plot there with uh traveling with the time police with Doug, like kinda going back into different time periods. Uh and my further thought was to pair that with um, sort of the light gun rides like Buzz Lightyear so that you're traveling to all these different time periods and using like some sort of pizza launcher to deliver pizzas to people throughout time. Like, here's a pizza for Leonardo da Vinci. Here's a pizza for a dinosaur. Stuff like that. <laughs> I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I was also thinking... Um, this this isn't like a traditional theme park experience, but I was thinking uh, an escape room would be a lot of fun, uh, and specifically an awkward Steve themed escape room that is themed around trying to get Steve to leave his house. Like that seems like a, a pretty pretty solid pairing, I would think. Like a, a pretty his natural party. pairing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was thinking maybe uh, uh, some sort of like train ride that simulates a tour of of riding around uh oregon city oregon <laughs> very very specific Same. kind of ride yes <laughs> um let's see and i'd also written down um just sort of a classic disney disney world's disneyland style dark ride you know like ones where you kind of ride through a movie like uh like the snow white ride or Little Mermaid, uh, kind of themed after uh, the Beard in the Mirror, which is our closest thing to like sort of a fairy tale esque story. Um, I, yeah. Oh, did you have anything? I have a couple others. <laughs> I was gonna say I'm trying yeah. to think which one would be like a roller coaster. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out. We need we need to have a couple of roller coasters. Those are cool. What would be? What's? <laughs> we don't have a lot of fast paced games. Or what could be like a, a a a show? Maybe Internet Court would be work for like a like the Tiki Room, something like a show like that, oh. where you just sit and watch a show for twenty minutes, and yeah. it's just it's, it's a short trial. 
<laughs> or it, it could be like an interactive experience too. Like uh, I know Disney World has at various points had kind of game show esque attractions, like they did uh, a Who Wants to Be a Millionaire kind of thing. That's where, right? Yeah. Yeah. Someone if there's like some sort of improv kind of thing they could do with that, where they call someone down, or or like Indiana Jones Stunt Spectacular, they they call people from the audience to be in that too. So like something where they they call you down and you're like. You get to be the defendant or the even the lawyer or the judge. Oh, maybe the judge would make the most sense. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I was also thinking you you would you would said something for Christmas for too many Santas. So I I was thinking maybe even year round. I don't know. I, I was picturing like sort of sort of like a shopping mall within like a fake shopping mall that you could go to within the park. Um, I, I would specifically want it to make it like. Like a cool retro mall, like back when malls were the hot thing, like like the one from Stranger Things, and you can you can go there to get pi- your picture taken with each of the different Santas, <laughs> something like something simple like that. Yeah, I feel like there'd also have to be like cool references to like all the various games, like you know there'd be like a hat store called Kale's Hats or whatever <laughs> yes! at the mall. Yes. I feel like those would be really easy to slip in. Oh, and you could eat at a Proud City Pizza. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. There's an easy one, yeah. (laughs) Pizza place, yeah, that's pretty obvious, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Oh, and you should also be able to eat at the restaurant from Cat President, the one that's just the restaurant from Harry Potter World. (laughs) That would would amuse me. Yeah. yeah, cat president. Like all, all the hotels will be cat president themed because there's like six hundred <laughs> hotels. <laughs> because it's about people traveling all over the country and visiting yeah. all these different places. So yeah. Oh yeah, I was trying. Maybe we could do something like the World Showcase at Epcot. Like, except you visit the different states from Cat President. Like, you can visit Miawa and <laughs> Massachusetts or whatever. Yeah. Perita, etc. Mew Jersey, or is it Mew Persie? I forget. Oh, and I, and I had a good name for something too. I want to have something called the Argle Fumph Experience, but I don't know what that would be. <laughs> I, I just really like the name. Just like Captain EO, the experience yes. or something. <laughs> or maybe it's like uh, I think. What was it like Figment at and Epcot had like this huge like interactive zone where there's all kinds of things you could do. I was like, maybe you could have <laughs> the the Argofump experience where you can experience what it's like to record your own Let's Play video. <laughs> but I guess you can already pretty much do that at home, so I don't know. <laughs> but there there was a thing like that in like California Adventure, the early days, I think, was uh like, they had the voice changer, and, like, they'd play a Disney clip, a clip from, like, a Disney movie, and you could just shout out your own voices and stuff, and then they'd play it back, and, you know, your voice would be playing uh, along with yes. the scene. And you should be able to get a VHS tape <laughs> of your performance to bring home with you. Yes. <laughs> I guess it would probably be some sort of digital file emailed to you at this point, but that's not as fun. Um... So those those are sort of the the ideas I brainstormed like an hour before we started recording. There there were a couple really good uh, suggestions on the Discord as well. So uh, uh, Timothy Mark himself suggested uh, the Hall of Cat Presidents is an obvious one to start. 
Because <laughs> uh, I guess, have you been to Disney World? Uh, I mean, they have the Hall of Presidents, I think, in Disney World oh, and they... Disneyland. Oh, they yeah. do. Okay, yeah. So that would basically be it. Just a, a bunch of animatronics of all the different uh, cat presidents throughout history from uh, from Poopsie the First to uh, whoever the official canon president is by the end of Cat President 2. I feel like, no, I feel like Disneyland's one is just like great moments with Mr. Lincoln mm. or something. That's it, which is similar to Hall of Presidents, but different. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, it's one of those attractions that I go to when it's like the middle of the day and very hot and I need a nap. It's very good for mm-hmm. that. They have air conditioning. <laughs> um, also, uh, Alpha Gamer 47 uh, had the suggestion that uh, no one would actually be able to explore the park. Um because they would all be considered inadmissible to enter after being tested at the grammar police post. <laughs> you have to go through, the, like, the grammar police uh, checkpoint to get in, answer some grammar questions. Oh, sounds scary, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, interesting. So the Hall of Presidents is not at, like, Main Street, USA. Okay. No, it's in, I want to say Frontierland, I believe. Well, Main Street USA has the the whatever you call it. What did I say? The great moments. The great moments, Mr. Lincoln. Yeah, that's where it is. So it's like on the right hand side as you go up. Oh no, sorry. Uh, Hall of Presidents is in Liberty Square. It's like a pretty pretty small part of the park. I see that. Yeah, I've never been a fan of the like the Main Street. It feels like it's the the place you need to rush through in order to actually get to where any of the actual sure. rides and attractions are. Yeah. I think Disney World Main Main Street has like like I think the the entire left side almost is just one gigantic uh souvenir store and then the right I don't think there's any like attractions except for like a small movie theater uh, um there's a candy store there that people like a lot though Oh yeah 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 the candy store but mm-hmm. but still it's like I wish Main Street USA wasn't part of the park period uh Ouch. I don't know Ouch, hot Ouch. take from Argolfump. <laughs> I know, it's like, I don't I, I don't want to walk the however many feet it takes <laughs> to get across Main Street, USA. Man, I need to get to Disney World. It's been so long. Yeah, is, it, is it safe yet? Is... Ah, that's the thing. I'm not, like, sure that I'm actually ready to go yet. Uh, I can't imagine, like, a single person in Florida has worn a mask for the past year, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I did, uh, it's probably a little late in the podcast to be mentioning this, but I did test positive for COVID a few weeks ago, so that's fun. No, uh, no symptoms, thankfully. I don't, I have absolutely no idea how I caught it since I spend almost all of my time in my house with just my wife. Well, how did you know to get tested if there are no symptoms, I suppose? I will tell you, I was planning to go down to visit my family. So I was taking oh, a test just as a precaution because uh, my parents are in multiple high-risk groups, so I didn't want to risk bringing anything down there to them. Um, and then and then I got the, the two little lines on the home test that said, I'm not allowed to go anywhere for the next two weeks. Oh, that's too bad. Well, you don't seem like you're dying at the moment, so that's no. good. I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much past the, uh, the time that I need to self-quarantine, or I'm close to it. Um, I, I think, I don't know, like, like a week and a half or two weeks before I tested, 
uh, I had been experiencing a lot of fatigue and like stomach aches. So I'm wondering if that was my COVID experience, but I don't know if like those are even like actual COVID symptoms or if that was just something else entirely. I, I didn't have any respiratory issues, so who knows? What a weird thing for me to end this episode on. <laughs> All right, I think we got to wrap up this podcast. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> wow, that's a first. I'm usually the one saying that. <laughs> All right, yeah, I do I do think that about does it for this month's episode. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Paul M. Franzen, and Michael is at Argelfump, spelled exactly as it sounds. Uh, our games are available on PC and console, and you can find links to all of them on oorock.com. Is that, is that all right? I had to change it this this time, this month, since we're on console That sounds now. about right. I mean, yeah. we only have one game available on console, <laughs> I though. know. Uh, but I can't just say, like, you can check out all of our games on Steam and itch.io, because it feels weird to say that when we also have a game on console. Yeah, especially if it's selling super well with all the achievement hounds, so. Yeah. <laughs> Want to promote that uh, game. And I, I did, I did. There is links to every single one of our games individually on our website now, which is new. Finally, I finally updated the site so it doesn't just have links to our Steam page. <laughs> um, our theme song is by Fifth Avenue. You can check them out on SoundCloud. And finally, if you have any questions about game development or our game specifically, we'd love to hear them. Email them to podcast at com. Is there anything you'd like to add, Michael? No. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> Story will be told. Go! Oh, no. What is happening? Oh, dear. Discord is gone. Bye, everybody!